Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Fire. So that was a tough first year. And he wasn't wrong. I was not trained. I didn't have a year for him to figure out how to get rid of you, or he couldn't get rid of you. It took him three weeks to figure out he wanted to get rid of me, and it took him a year to. All right. But that you survived, and you outlasted him. No, I didn't outlast him. He, uh, he and I became good friends, and we worked together for a long time. So when you left Goldman, you then went into private equity. How did you decide to start set up in financial service? Because that's not an area. That, that private equity had really been that active in because of the regulatory issues? Well, first of all, investment banking is a great training ground for private equity <coughs> because of all the experiences you get and the deal flow, but it's very different because private equity, investment banking is a factory. It's all about volume. There's a quality control mechanism, but the person who does the most deals wins. Um, and the most important word is yes. How do I do this for the client? Private equity, the most important word to know. <coughs> the hardest word is yes. So it's a real mind uh, shift in terms of the way you look at things. The glass has to be half empty, not half full. But I loved investment banking and I loved working with talented people. And I thought being a principal would okay. be more fun than being an agent. So Stone Point is now in its what year? 20 something. <clears throat> 20 some years and you're on your Eighth fund or something? Yes. Okay, so you are the biggest of the private equity firms that do nothing but financial services. So how did you happen to become the biggest and what did you do that everybody else wasn't able to do so well? Well, we're focused very much on, uh, on dislocations and we're big supply and demand folks. So when the wind blows and there's a big hurricane loss, we can set up a new insurance company. When the credit crisis hits, banking system we hadn't done a bank deal in eight years before the crisis we did bank deals more than anyone in the united states because we knew the owner operators we knew the regulators we knew the regulations and we felt like there was a big dislocation so we like dislocation supply and demand imbalances we're not restructuring people we're not turnaround people we're not cost cutting we like to grow businesses we've done 47 startups we created thousands and thousands okay. of jobs also what's your best deal well the best deal is the most recent deal uh two weeks ago we just uh, uh one of the uh thing relating to a member of your family now as we talked about it, as I, I think everybody here knows uh, the toughest thing in life without doubt no doubt about it is uh 
having to deal with the, the, the death of a child, and that's what you had to deal with. So you might describe what happened and why you're so involved in philanthropy related to this very unique disease. Well, there's a lot of people that are involved in philanthropy, and people have causes that they feel strongly about, and obviously Paul and Ray got into that at great length. Unfortunately, the cause that I'm most interested in is, the, is trying to cure the, the, the cancer that that my son died from. And when my son was diagnosed 10 years ago, 12 years ago, he was told, we were told that he had a four, stage four terminal uh, cancer and that he would probably not live more than a month or two. He set up a foundation and he said to his mom and I, if we can't cure this for me, I want you to cure it for everybody else. And we'll never forget him saying that. He spent 19 months fighting the disease, every chemo and radiation and operation you could have, always with the most amazing spirit. And he built this foundation. So when he died, we took it um, and tried to make uh, progress. And we now have um, a tremendous amount of progress. Um, actually, tomorrow is our research summit. We have 60 people coming from all over the world uh, that are doing research on the grants that our foundation gives to try to cure this very rare. Well, what is the type disease? of cancer described, and how, do, how does somebody know you have it when you have it? Well, unfortunately, you don't know you have it until it's too late. It's, it's very rare. It's called fibrolamellar carcinoma. It only happens to young people, more girls than boys. 200 cases a year starts in the liver, and they know that there's no cure. Um, and our son had never spent a night in the hospital in his life since he all of a sudden because cancer cells cause clotting, and went to the went to the doctor, and and that was that. So it's uh, we made a lot of progress. Um, What's the name of the foundation? It's, it's FCF, Fibromyalgia Cancer Foundation. FCF.com. Okay. Always open for money raising. Uh, but we just, one of the grants that we gave, we have now discovered the philanthropic endeavor. It's the one that we have certainly the most, most emotion involved in. So when um, you are looking at deals today, some people would say prices are very high. So when somebody comes to you and says, well, it's 14 times EBITDA, but really, it's it's really 10. Or it's 14 times EBITDA, but it's in 2028, it will be 10 times EBITDA, something like that. So if you roll your eyes at these prices you have to pay, and you just you know hope for the best, why do you, how do you get comfortable with these prices? Well, we're doing 10 things that don't find capital. I'll tell you two or three of them. Anybody who wants to hear all 10, happy to have a, a cup of coffee afterwards. But the first thing we're doing is just losing an enormous amount of deals. Our funnel has never been broader. We have never seen more deals. We've never seen higher quality deals. We've never wanted to do deals more than the deals we're seeing. And we're just losing. And it's very frustrating because the owner operators usually want us because we spend more time in the space and have more ability to potentially be helpful. We just can't get there. And we're losing by 20, 30, 40%. And when you think that half of that is debt, sometimes we're losing by 40, 60, 80%. This could last for a long time, and it's already lasted for a number of years, but it's really gotten, uh, in the last 12 to 18 months, it's really gotten to the point where it's very troubling. A lot of deals, 
investing in countercyclical businesses, businesses that do fine now, but that'll do better in a bad environment. We own the nation's leading bankruptcy software company for lawyers when they administer bankruptcies. So if they're doing fine now, if bankruptcies accelerate, uh, that company will do really well. We own the nation's leading special servicer of commercial mortgages, Rialto. They have $110 billion worth of special servicing. When a loan gets in trouble, it gets pulled out of. What I hear from you, and I say I want to put money with you, um, when you have a fund available, I don't know when you have next fund available. Are you an accredited investor? <laughs> <laughs> My children, uh, how much they've spent recently. But, uh, um, let's say I like what you, uh, you're you doing. What kind of rate of return am I likely to get when I put my money with you? Am I gonna get a 20% net, 15% net, 13, 12, 10? What, what do you think I should expect? I would hope higher than Carlisle, but. <laughs> I, we, we model returns in the high teens, low 20s. Net, based case. rates of return, in the mid teens? Yeah, okay. uh, but our assumptions are, for the first time in 20 years, the exit multiple is lower than the entry multiple in our models, which makes the model very tough to work. And we're relying more on leverage than ever before, and we're relying more on tuck under acquisitions to help the company grow and succeed. So our return expectations haven't changed very much, but I'd say the, the risk adjustments that we make probably make it uh, less than it was 10 years ago. Based on all the companies you own now on behalf of investors, do you see the prospect of a recession in 2020? Do you see any indicators from those companies that Maybe we're heading a recession, or you don't see that. Well, I listened to Ray and Paul. By the way, one reason I'm smiling is I took a double dose of Prozac after they spoke. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have the ten shots of vodka that Paul recommended. <laughs> we are, uh, you know, the consumer's two-thirds of the economy. The house is the key to the consumer. Home prices and mortgages were what really did us in last time. We don't see strains there, uh, but there's certainly a lot of long-term credit growth in the public and private sector, as Ray said. So I would say we probably won't have a recession in 2020, but one thing I forget and a lot of people forget is recessions start at peak moments when the stock market's at all-time highs and when employment is, is at peak levels. Recessions don't start when things are bad, so we're certainly in an environment where uh, it could go the wrong way pretty easily. So somebody listening to this will say, this guy's got a terrific track record, he's done a great job at Goldman, everything's worked. Tell me some bad deal that you did. What's the worst deal you did? <laughs> some deal, maybe one deal, that tiny amount of money that didn't work out. And that maybe you could remember that. <laughs> you know, I really can't. You can't. <laughs> there wasn't one deal that didn't work out. Oh yeah. No, we've done 150 deals and I think we've lost money three or four or five times, none in the last several years. People and backing owner operators. We disagree with Warren Buffett that when a bad business meets a good manager, the business wins. We think good people figure out how to make things work. And we think people that aren't top, top drawer can take a great business and not do well with it. So the mistakes we've made is we backed some people that hoped and expected, our fault not theirs. We're the ones that decided. So there's been some criticism of private equity by um, some people running for <coughs> President of the United States. So if you had a chance to meet with 
that one person and you would say <laughs> private equity actually does a good thing, uh, what would you actually say and do you think you'd make any progress with that one person? First of all, I would hopefully decline the opportunity to meet. <laughs> <laughs> building companies, backing people, doing startups, creating jobs. We don't cut costs, we don't fire people, we don't restructure, we don't close facilities. We back people that we think are really good at something and there's a dislocation or supply and demand imbalance or a need for their product at this moment in time. And when we're wrong about that, uh, we go away quietly. Uh, but we are not, uh, I, I, I just think we've created so many jobs and so much uh, good fortune that I don't, I'm I'm not defensive about it. Why do you think that is that the image of the private equity industry is not as great as some people in the industry think it should be? Why do people run, run around saying, boy, thank you for being in the private equity industry? Well, if you watch The Big Short, or you watch Billions, or you watch the new morning show, which, by the way, is really interesting, every single thing in those three venues has actually happened. It's just not the norm. So someone sees The Big Short, or watches Billions, or The Morning Show, and they think, wow, what a train wreck. The fact of the matter is, the everyday business of private equity is a good business, done by credible, hardworking, solid, high-integrity people. But uh, clearly, the wealth dislocation in this country, which I certainly agree with Paul and Ray on, has gotten uh, very imbalanced, and wealth creation is no longer something that's that's viewed positively, it's, it's more vilified and, and complimented, and so private equity people have made a lot of money, and it's, uh, it's, a, tough, it's a tough business to be in at, a, at certain cocktail parties that you go to. So President Bush 43, when he spoke at Yale once, he said to the graduating class, um, to all of you A students, congratulations, all of you B students, pretty good. All you C students, you could be President of the United States. Now, have you been invited back to University of Vermont uh, ever and to speak to people there and to say, all of you athletes, you, you too could wind up a very good master of the universe in private equity? I had a very bad first experience when they invited me back. Uh, they asked me to go on the board, and the University of Vermont is all about diversity and inclusion, and it's a wonderful place. And I got up on a podium in front of a very eclectic group of professors, students, and people from the community. And I said, you know, this is really an important moment for the university because they've been talking about diversity and inclusion all these years. And here I am, the first person since 1791 that's ever been asked to join the board that represents 25% of the alumni population, the bottom quartile of the class. <laughs> well, they didn't like hearing that. So it, it got a little better from there. You're on the board or you were on the board? I was on the board, yeah. Okay. I'm and a big so, Ruby uh, fan. So for people who have children here who are athletes, should they be pushing them out of athletics into academics? Or you'd say staying in athletics can make them become a private equity uh, type? <laughs> Follow your passion. Yeah. If you're if you really like something, you'll probably be good at it.